0: Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I've got the wonderful Shanna Kennedy, best-selling author of The Life Plan. I've had her in the Beach Shack before, but uh, now she has put out her new book and it's called Plan B. So let's now dive into this book and listen to my chat with Shanna. This week in the Beach Shack, it's a pleasure. She has been in the Beach Shack before. Shanna Kennedy how are you?
1: I am awesome thank you coming in from Melbourne here.
0: You've experienced lockdowns way worse than we have in Sydney but Sydney we've just recently come out of lockdown after about three months and it has been tough and it, it must have played a big part on a lot of people's mental health.
1: Oh look over the last two years I think it's been absolutely shocking what's happened to people's mental health and just people having to go back to the basics. A lot of people had time to reflect on their lives and not really liked what they were reflecting on, I suppose. And without routine and structure and a social life and people, when you're isolated, some people have been isolated living in a one-bedroom apartment with a balcony and not being allowed to do anything. You know, it really has played havoc.
0: Now, you were on the podcast. We talked about how everybody should have a life plan, and that was episode 12. Touch a little bit on that, and then we'll go into the new book you've got out called Plan B.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, I still think everyone should have a life plan, and I've never been busier actually in this lockdown with people saying, "Okay, it's time for me to have my life plan. <laughs> I need to think about it." And we really need a roadmap for the brain. You know, the the we need to think about our 10 year older self and. And when I get people to write down how old they are in 10 years and 20 years and they see that, that number on the page, they're like, oh God, I, I've got to do some some prep work for this person, my role model, my 10-year-old a better self. So what we're doing with our health, what we're doing with our network, What we're doing with our finances, you know, what experiences that we want over the next 10, 20 years. And also, you know, what do you want to be learning? Because when we're growing, we're always happy. And if we haven't really mapped something out for ourselves, we always feel like we're just on the treadmill of life, you know, going around the roundabout. And that's not great for our mental health either.
0: Well, I recently read your book, Plan B, that you've just put out. And I've taken a lot out of it. Like, you know, I'm quite. Structured and mentally strong due to the job I do, but I still need to work on it because it doesn't take much to be at one point and then fall away quite quick.
1: Yeah, and I wrote the book in lockdown actually, where I went and hired an Airbnb one kilometre from my house to go and write it because I couldn't write with my kids homeschooling and my husband working from home. And it just came to me in this Jerry Maguire moment, you know, this one night I woke up at three in the morning in the sweats thinking I know exactly what's going to happen to people because I've been coaching change for 20 years and I think when people have a structure to follow whether it's a divorce or a loss of a job or you can't see your parents in hospital or you can't have Christmas or Father's Day or whatever when we have a bit of a change nobody knows what the roadmap is for the brain and so I really wanted to put it down in bullet point form, where we have to stop, we have to breathe, and and this is all about what you do as well on the beach. Is when we're in a crisis, the first thing we say to somebody is breathe, just take a breath, let's settle it down. Then you know what, what about acknowledging our feelings and fear, and then maybe embracing the grief of, of what we just lost, because grief isn't just for funerals. You know, we, we grow up at school and we think grief is when grandma dies. Grief really is that, oh, you know, I realised that some of my friends aren't really my friends anymore or, or, you know, we can't go out for dinner and that really affected a lot of people or we didn't have water cooler talk and they were grieving in some way. And I think it was really wonderful to be able to put into a book in bullet point form the whole process of grieving, healing yourself, resetting your plans and then embracing your new normal.
0: Now, we realise this as we get older that because we go through the failures and the success and we do this. Do you think it should be a subject in schools where kids should be learning this type of stuff from the beginning, like when they're young?
1: Oh, 100%, 100%. You know, we're, they're learning a bit about breathing at school now, a bit about meditation. You know, I, I look at what my kids are learning at school and I'm thinking there's such a big gap here about they are going to experience a boss they don't like or they're going to get made redundant or the girlfriend's going to drop my, my son or whatever it might be. And he's got no idea what's about to hit him. And it would be really nice if people could see that there was a roadmap and that there was a way out. There's always a way forward.
0: I found going through the book, you really touch on writing down the way you feel.
1: I do because I just feel everything in the brain is a bit messy and when we get it out and we write it out we give it some thought we allow ourselves to honor the feeling and once we've said I'm lonely or I'm grieving or I'm just sad today or whatever it is we allow it then to pass rather than going let's have a glass of wine and pretend we didn't feel it it is great to get all of those things out which I have been teaching over the last couple of years.
0: Now is this something that you've learnt yourself through ups and downs throughout your life and you've worked out a philosophy on how to do it and you've now putting that back to everybody else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, 20 years ago when I married my job, because I thought I was my job um, and I got chronic fatigue, which I've had to manage now for 20 years and depression, And when you manage that, you know, you do a lot, well, I do a lot of research and I do a lot of work to manage it, but I've also had a lot of coaching over the last 20 years and done a lot of courses, which I've sort of combined together into how do we bullet point things so that it's not so overwhelming. So this is really how I live. It's my philosophy of just get things out, keep things simple, as simple as you can, stop dramatizing and overcomplicating. And it just gives our brain that clarity to go, okay, let's stop all the stories and just acknowledge how we feel. And then let's reframe our story into the positive.
0: People out there can be like achievement junkies. Now, what does that lead to if you like that?
1: Yeah, well, that's me, an achievement junkie. And it (laughs) leads to full burnout. So we just we go from goal to goal to goal, and we want to smash the goal and get the thing, and we never want to celebrate. We just want to go to the next thing, and we end up burnt out. So achievement junkies need to think about embracing the pace and also finding some fulfillment in what we're doing. I mean, this is my seventh book. You know, we can I can just pop out another seven, but that's achievement junkie. This is about maybe stopping and saying, actually, it's really fulfilling writing a book that can help so many people and to feel it. So it was interesting this time around because instead of sending out hundreds of books straight away, I went to the post office every day with five books only. And I said, I really want that person to enjoy the book and I'm really gonna write something nice in there. And the fulfillment was so much more than just getting to burnout stage. And I coach a lot of people in their early sixties who are incredibly successful achievement junkies, who always say to me, I, I've got no fulfillment. I can't feel anything, but I'm really driven and I'm great at doing a deal and I'm great at making money, but it's all empty. It's all pretty hollow. So we have to just be a bit careful if that's your personality type.
0: Hmm. And you always hear people saying, oh, I am positive, I'm positive. But is it just that saying that? Is, is it more to it than just saying I'm positive?
1: Oh yeah, that's like, I'm saying I'm positive is training the computer, which is your brain. We we put in the computer program, but then the brain sends a message to your body and you you have to learn to experience feeling it too. You have to believe that you're strong or you're capable. Or for me, I have to train the brain every day that I I feel energetic because I always feel like I've been hit by a Mack truck when I wake up, that's chronic fatigue. And until you move your body, it will feel like that all day. So it's training the brain but you have to allow yourself to feel it as well.
0: So really understanding your emotions at the time that's the big thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well you would know with with the beach, right? And all all the things that you've experienced. Don't you think that you you can't just deflect or or push them under the carpet. We actually need to maybe say that was a really tough day or that was really confronting what I saw today or how I experienced other people's emotions when they get dumped on top of you as well. And we need to process. And it doesn't need to take long, but you actually need to know, oh, maybe I'll just put that in my journal or I need to get it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, with our job as a lifeguard, it's, it can be quite a lot of pressure, a lot of emotions, because if you're having a bad day, and I, I try and explain to the younger guys with less experience, our bad day could cost someone their life and then yeah. that is tr- tragic and the emotions we then have to deal with in dealing with that and also we do deal with a lot of suicide so mm. the families then come down to us because they want to see the people that will last with their loved ones mm. and that becomes very emotional for us and what do you think is the best way to handle situations you know when we've got those emotional stresses going on?
1: yeah it's like a roller coaster isn't it it's 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 a it's a massive hit of grief right so you're grieving whether you knew the person or not or uh that you're experiencing the family grieving as as well and i think it's a it's a it's they come and go in waves these waves of grief and i think we just need to allow ourselves to feel them and, and sit in them and maybe journal them or write them out or ask for help and get some support for yourself and then you you move on, and you you can do that. But if you never address it, it probably just builds up. And you know, for there are a lot of people I've been coaching over the last year. There's a lot of built up grief in there. And then when it comes out, it's it's pretty nasty. We've got to be careful.
0: Yeah, I've noticed. Now you said that I noticed that with a lot of lifeguards over the years that sort of try and push it under the carpet, and then it does come out. It could be five years later on. They something triggers the same thing again.
1: Yeah. And if you haven't dealt with it or honored it maybe, or let it build up or you've distracted yourself, that's when people, you know, go on their shopping retail therapies or they turn and have, you know, 10 glasses of wine every night or whatever their distraction coping mechanism was it's really destructive because it allows that grief to build. Whereas if we're constantly just allowing it to come out and honoring it and being kind to ourselves and not maybe pushing ourselves that hard while we're in a grief little cycle, um, I think then we have a much healthier, long-term mental health.
0: So a lot of people in their life think they have to do something, but really you should be happy to get this done
1: they have to do something like that know their purpose or you know something like that a lot of people say to me I need to know my why or what my purpose is here or whatever it might be and it's great if we have a job that we love you know that becomes our purpose a lot of the time but the way that I work with people is go back to your values And that's your purpose for life, because that's you, regardless of the job that you do, or you might lose your job or get injured and you can't do your job. It's about coming back to your own set of values, your home base. And then you've got purpose for life. It's about serving those values every day.
0: I think there's a lot of people out there too, don't understand it's okay to fail. And like you said before, we we fail at some stage, probably every single day at something.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with failing. I know, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I say just have a red hot crack and yeah, have a go. Yeah, and yeah. and it's also one of the chapters in this book is about celebration. And we we don't celebrate enough. You know, we, we, we should be high-fiving ourselves every single day for showing up in the world, for having a go at something it might not have worked out exactly as you thought it might but maybe it did but we should be celebrating that we just showed up in the first place and put our best foot forward and I really want to be teaching people to celebrate themselves and to high-five themselves every day and to love and accept who they are and and keep showing up and if that means some days we fail well we need to celebrate that too Mm. we really do
0: I think a lot of people mm-hmm. might have someone to go and speak to that they feel confident enough with. And what would you say to those people?
1: Last year, um, when we first had our first year of lockdown here in Melbourne, I actually got myself a coach and I've been a coach for 20 years. And I'm thinking if Tony Robbins has a coach, why can't I have a coach? You know. So I try and get a coach every five years to, to just workshop some of those things that, ah, oh, you know, I had... 25 bookings just cancel in the lockdown and that's 80% of my job just wiped out you know I, was like, I think I need to talk to somebody not just my husband and my kids mm-hmm. but actually workshop things through so I think for a lot of people who might not have the confidence to fail or have a close circle that they trust that they can talk to that's when we go and just get yourself a little bit of extra support because there is no such thing as failing.
0: Very good point and I like getting out of my comfort zone at times and there's times i don't want to get out of my comfort zone and it's something i've got to work on and once i do get out of that comfort zone even though it could it scares me i seem to be able to achieve what i need to do
1: yeah i think it's really important that when you're growing you're happy so if you look back at all the times you did step out of your comfort zone they always say greatness is on the other side of fear that's when you're actually in your flow you know we're supposed to grow and evolve and flourish and it's nice to be a little bit comfortable sometimes without having that oh I'm scaring myself moment where I'm walking on stage or you're trying something new or you know I went to write my book and there's a blank screen staring at me and I'm like I've got a contract now I've I've got to go and punch out this 70,000 words and it's scary right so I just write on a sticky note find the joy. So turning all of that scariness into joy, which allows you to get out of that comfort zone. I think, think of it as life is a a playground and you're jumping on different rides and they're all different and just enjoy it rather than putting all that pressure on yourself that it has to be something.
0: Now throughout the book, there's a lot of activities that people can do. Is that something you just don't do once you've got to continually because it changes with your emotions
1: yeah i I think it's a a handbook for life really that if you had a little journal you know you could answer some of the questions and and a lot of people say to me i love the information but how to so this book is a how to is you feel like this this is what you go and do or this is what you write or if you need to heal then you need to think of four buckets you know mental physical emotional spiritual health okay what's your plan of action so it really is inviting you to move on that road on that journey through not stay too stuck for too long
0: now you said you had a lot of people that you've been with life coaching recently and There'd be a lot of people out there that have lost their jobs. I know a lot of people and friends of mine that have lost their jobs and really, really struggling.
1: Mm.
0: Not all of them go to life coaches, and they just try and work it out themselves. And what's the best way? If you know a friend, to actually get them to go to a life coach because you know they're struggling, but. You're not sure on how to say it. How to say it. Well, first thing you do is
1: buy the book, right? (laughs) So a lot of people have gone through divorce and things. I've had people come and buy 10 books for all their friends or they've lost their job. So they've really said, start there, read something about the change process, but then get yourself some help. So it's a really great thing to say, do you know what? I know this great coach who helps people through this. You might want to look her up. And you don't have to put it on top of them or make them do anything, but just they don't know it exists. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And it's really nice when friends come up and say, oh, I've, I know this girl that actually works with people on this. You might want to go and have a look at her side or whatever it might be, because they just don't know. And, and a lot of corporate people now have a life coach to do their strategy with but there's also 90% of the population that just don't know what we do. So, you know, we take you from A to B. We get you from where you are now to where you want to get to and we hold your hand and we help you with a strategy.
0: And that's great because I did that interview with you a while ago and I honestly didn't know there was life coaches out there either. Like, and I've been around sporting teams and and lifeguards. And since speaking to you last time, We've now got a person that comes in and speaks to all the lifeguards individually and helps them, not so much giving them a life plan, but it's someone to speak to, to express their emotions and how they're feeling, whether it's outside of work or within work, being a lifeguard as an emergency service.
1: Absolutely. I'm still coaching ex-Olympians like people who won gold medals I'm still their life coach down the track because they need someone who really understands them and has built some relationship with them that they could tell me anything in the world and it would be a safe space that we can explore some ideas together that I would be their champion high five them the whole way through saying we can do this come on you can do it there's not many people in the world that have that someone so when you have a coach, it's that real support person saying, okay, well, what are you going to do next? And how are you going to do it? And let's let's celebrate along the way and get that momentum going. So it is a really wonderful experience, I suppose. And I coach a lot of celebrities. I coach a lot of CEOs, partners at law firms who, they're just crumbling. They're exhausted as well. They've never worked harder, especially with all the legal work that's had to go on with changing of rules. And they might cry for half of the call that's fine
0: yeah that's right and it's it's really a trust thing isn't it it's finding that person you really trust and you can let out all those emotions
1: yeah they've got to come out so if you you know I really didn't want to talk about it every night with my husband like how am I going to you know totally lost half my business reinvent that part He's the CEO as well. So he runs winter sport for the country. So he was dealing with athletes and now he's got the Olympics coming up in Beijing and and he's flat out. And I'm like, I need someone to really workshop things with. And so straight away, I get myself a life coach. And it was fantastic. I, I loved it. I probably worked harder than I've ever worked and built a bigger business than I ever thought possible.
0: And with your chronic fatigue, that's something that doesn't go away, does it? So you need to manage that.
1: Probably for the rest of your
0: life.
1: Yes. Yes, the rest of your life. So uh like Alistair Lynch, we talk a little bit together, he's a footballer from Brisbane, is that we think we're ninety percent healed, but there's ten percent that's always the running in the background. So if you do go out and have that really late night or go out three nights in a row, well you're gonna pay a very big price. And so you've really just gotta monitor yourself and manage yourself with kid gloves a little bit sometimes because it doesn't go away and if you don't have a plan for yourself or a strategy and structure you do end up you know you lose weeks you lose weeks just feeling like you've been hit by a truck
0: and you've got to be honest with yourself don't you when you find those triggers but sometimes you've got to give yourself the the hard talk
1: yeah especially if you're an achievement junkie like me you know I'm like I'm I'm I just want to do so much in a day, you know, and, and my, my husband always says, Will you just slow it down a little bit. And I just can't help it. I get very, very excited. And so it's pacing. You have to learn to pace yourself. And over the last 20 years, I've learned the art of pace really, really well. And like writing the book, you know, you go away for five days, you work 16 hour days. It really hurts. It took me three weeks to get over, but it was done. Um, And it was the only way that I was going to get it done. But you do pay the price and you have to work very closely with naturopaths to supplement yourself properly and and care for yourself. So I actually see it as the gift now, and and he does too actually, where we're probably much nicer people. We've probably become a lot more successful and and less burnt out than if we we didn't have this this little thing on our shoulder pacing us the whole time. Um, And you've got to be honest with yourself if you have depression or you have chronic fatigue or you have anxiety or adrenal burnout or something you're dealing with i think it's about being really honest with yourself and loving who you are with what you've got and then making yourself a great plan
0: yeah, yeah. so do you think with um what you've learned over all the years the last 20 years it's definitely helped within your relationship
1: with my husband Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm not allowed to coach him. uh, So (laughs) he says, are you coaching me? I'm like, no, no. So I go the back door. But even with my children who are now, you know, 15 and 17, I think they've learnt a lot by just me looking after myself and the communication of that I think has been really incredible when the depression card hits and when the chronic fatigue comes in is just that really kind empathetic honesty as a family that has had to happen um i think definitely built our relationship to a new level
0: and how do you find it with the kids because most parents out there will go oh, my kids never listen anything I, I say <laughs> it, it must be sometimes the kids go oh, you're right oh mum what whatever
1: oh yeah all the time yeah. all the time yeah. but it comes out in other ways and i see it usually you know, my kids play a lot of sport. I see those lessons I've learned come out on the football field or at netball or or with their friends. So I think it is working in the background and they're great kids. I And, and I actually secretly loved two years of lockdown because I got, you know, my 16 year old, 17 and a half year old now son would, would really probably not watch TV with me normally. You know, he'd be off with his mates all the time. He's out, he's gone. He was home. So I got to have a stolen couple of years with him which i think was a real blessing
0: so even with COVID, it's you know everyone's had tough times but they need to take the positives and as you just said there are positives within all these lockdowns as well
1: yeah and i i wrote this little sticky note because i love my bullet points and it was on my computer and it said every day um find the gift what was the gift today and and you would find it on the beach like what is the gift today even though we had we lost someone today or whatever it was a really tough day or we we're really exhausted today there'll be a gift and I think when you ask yourself every night what was the gift it's a beautiful way to put the brain into that get out of its catastrophizing and so for me it was the gift was oh we got to all have lunch together today or You know, we all watched a movie together, which normally we never would because everyone's got such busy social lives or we're travelling for work, etc. And it was really nice to every day just check in with the gift. And I think everyone will find some gifts amongst all of the things that they may have lost. There'll be some gifts as well.
0: Well, with the lifeguards, an example for us is the near miss, the one where you're heading out, the person's drowning, they're swallowed water, they're on the brink of surviving or not surviving. You pull them back into the beach and you know you get them uh, back to life, whether you resuscitate or, or anything. The guys get very emotional about this, but the positive out of that is the person survives and lives another day and, and gets to go home to his family. So there's the positive in it. you know, The job's successfully done, but it can still affect their emotional state even though the person survived
1: oh absolutely because they they they're in a shock still right the shock of well what might have happened but also the shock of how quick they had to work and respond and the adrenal the adrenal gland goes into overdrive you're full of cortisol which is a stress hormone and you can't just turn that off it takes a long time for stress to leave the body you know when you're in that stressful environment on the beach then that there has to be a time for that to to leave the body that that amount of hormone has to come out. And it might take days or it might take a week. And if you're not actually acknowledging it and breathing it out, or doing some kind of conscious letting go, well, it builds up and builds up. And that's why, you know, they may struggle a week or two later, because actually didn't just let just sit in it for a minute, geez, that was a tough day, or that was close call. And There was a gift that they survived, but there's been a massive trauma in my body even to allow that person to survive.
0: So what would the advice be then? Usually we'll get together after the major incident and have a chat and things like that, but is there more we could do?
1: I really like people to write some things down for themselves and then have an action plan. So it might be, you know, I'm going to do five minutes of breathing every night for the next week. Because if they have a visual of their bucket was just full of stress hormone, then they can visualize actually getting it out of their body.
0: Right. So, writing down is, is a great way to. Um, got to, sort put, of it yep, got to yep, put it into words. You've got to put it into
1: So, the brain's like this mushy computer and, and it's all messy. And when we actually extract and put things onto a piece of paper, into a word, oh, everything makes sense. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I'm in shock. Oh, now I've got something for my brain to see.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's something we probably should bring mm. in that when we have a major incident or people aren't reacting the best is, yeah, go away and just sit down and write
1: down. Write the five words, the five yeah. words of how you're feeling. I feel shocked. Yeah. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm angry. I'm whatever it is. Just put it on a piece of paper and then just breathe, mm. right? And then, you know, it's the first part of this this book, Plan B, is you need to recognise and respond. So number one is recognise that's how I'm feeling. Number two is I need to feel that I'm grieving a little bit, something here, and I've got trauma in my body. And fourth, what is my story? How am I going to breathe that out?
0: And I think that explains it very well in in the book. it's When I went through it, it's just really step by step, and it's very easy to understand how to do it. And uh, I think it's... a Fantastic effort and, and great how you've put it in. I'm trying to find the word of just an easy way, basically, like to a lifeguard, you know, where yeah. we're all very skillful in the water in the ocean. A lot of guys haven't gone on in, um, you know, do, done university and, and schooling, don't really read a lot of books. Mm hmm. But this is very easy to read and, and very easy to communicate to the other guys.
1: Yeah. And you can, you can open it in any page and you can learn something very valuable for the rest of your life. And I, it's short, it's sharp, it's not too overwhelming for people. No one wants to read a whole book on grief. God, I don't either. Or a whole book on comfort zone. I don't want to read a whole book on that. So bullet point for me is how I live my life and it's how I write and, I find that people really respond well because people are time poor or they're not into reading, so that's no good. But they actually need to know that there is a pathway through when your plan or your day gets turned upside down. There has to be a roadmap out. It's like you're driving on the highway and there's a a detour and this will take you on the detour and get you back on track.
0: Great advice. And where can they get plan B because I think... Anyone out there that, as you said before, knows of someone that's struggling, this is, and I've read through the book, it's the perfect book to give to anybody that is in any sort of, yeah. sort of struggle or dark place.
1: Yeah, it's at Kmart, it's at Target, it's at Dimmicks. Um, you can just go to Booktopia and order a copy online and get it delivered to your home, whatever whatever suits you. It's an audio book as well if you want to listen while you're walking, but I like it to be a handbook in the house for any time something happens, you get a curveball or a lemon thrown at you. You know exactly what to do.
0: Good to have you back into the beach shack. But before we finish, I do the segment five fun facts. I'm going to throw five facts at you, and you can answer them any way you want. Okay. And whatever comes out, it could be really good to hear what comes. Alrighty. All right. The first was: What are the best and worst purchases you've ever made?
1: Well, the best one would be buying my first property at the age of 24 because that really was automatic savings I couldn't spend any money because I had to pay that loan down all the time and I think the worst purchase would be uh, my cowboy outfit in Colorado we were in Colorado and I got so into the cowboy scene there at rodeos Uh, we were on a family trip and we all bought these ridiculous cowboy boots and we look so good there and then we came back to melbourne i'm like oh my god we will never be able to wear these outside the house ever (laughs) (laughs) just got in the spirit
0: (laughs) as you do as you do (laughs) what's your biggest screw up in the kitchen
1: Well, um, I've got quite a few actually. Uh, I love inviting people over and having dinner parties and then when everyone arrives, I get quite excited and forget that I'm the host and turn into a guest. (laughs) So there's always things left in the fridge. I've always burnt things in the oven because I don't know what happens. I just turn into a guest instantly. (laughs) Done that quite a few times.
0: If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask?
1: I want to know what's on the other side, mm. you know. I'd love to know what happens when you go down the white tunnel, you know. Just, yeah. just love to know that next bit.
0: What is the most unprofessional thing you have seen someone do?
1: Well, that's easy. I've got only one thing that I can't stand, and that's when I'm at conferences and uh, there's people on stage speaking and they're not authentic, like they're talking about finances, but they don't look after their own money. And I know they don't, you know, yeah, or yeah, yeah. they're talking about health and well-being, but I know that they probably took cocaine on the weekend. You know, yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I really get upset about that.
0: Yeah, fair point there. Yeah. What's your death row meal?
1: Well, that's easy. It's a meal that I, <laughs> my kids hate, so I'm never allowed to cook it. It's a chicken stir fry, chicken vegetable stir fry that none of my family will eat, so I never get to have it. And I, that's just all I want. A very simple person, you know. I just <laughs> want a big, healthy bowl of rice and chicken and vegetables. And, yeah, it's it's not not allowed in this house. They don't like it.
0: Very good answers to all those questions. And Shanna, it's it's great having you back in the Beach Shack, and I think a lot of listeners get a lot out of what you say, and I recommend them the Plan B book because it, it definitely will help you. I have been going through it over the last couple of weeks and, and I've been writing little things down and it does help a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think if everyone just took a yellow sticky note and just wrote down what was most important to them today, um, it would give their brain nice relief. You know, it's it's we've really got to keep life simple and put it into words and get it out of our head.
0: Great advice. Thanks for having a
1: chat. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Enjoy the day.
0: Now, let's go to Beach Banner. Okay, this week in the Beach Shack, it's, uh, he's back again. Everyone enjoyed his episode the other week, but uh, Kerbox, good to have you in, mate.
2: Hey, Hop. I miss you, brother. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mate, yeah. uh, we, we, we've done a lot of rescues together over the years, so I thought we'd touch on one that stands out, and it's probably my biggest rescue, Um With you, So let's chat about that one. It was at Bronte and there was a a snorkel and it was a pretty big surf.
2: I think to this day in my life, that was the hardest rescue I've ever done. Um, If you remember, it was pouring raining. We down at Bronte. It was a Sunday afternoon. There was no one around. And for some reason, some big, huge uh, islander decided to go snorkeling and uh, we couldn't see him, if you remember. Remember we couldn't see him and we we're like, what the hell?
0: Yeah, I remember his, and, um, his his wife ran up to the room and said, oh, my husband's uh, snorkeling. And yeah, we must have yeah. been, what, eight foot, eight foot plus or something? Oh, or it more. was
2: easy eight foot. and It was a Norris swell, and for those people that don't know, when it's Norris or Bronte it comes from the left and smashes into the right and you get this big rip that runs out and you can end up at Clavelli. And uh, and you and I just went. You just said to me because that was my first year. You went, "Come on, we're on." I went, "Oh God!" And uh, we took it on. And possibly, I don't know how long we we paddled to try to get out in the first place. But if you remember, we got out, and he, and he was a massive, massive guy. <laughs> he had his he had his goggles on. <laughs> and he just looked at us, and the, and the, the water line was across his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And I remember um, it, it was it was so big that
0: um, we, we both decided to take a, 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 the rescue board, the rescue tube, and we put fins on as well just in case yeah. we lost the board. And, you yeah. know, I remember getting hammered at bunnies. I remember you just snuck over, and I just got belted. And I, snuck I out. Then, then I got out. Up.
2: I remember seeing you go straight back over the falls. I went, oh, I'm <laughs> But you hung on. But, uh, yeah, I snuck out. I think I was only five five feet away, but I just had that one little gap. And then I remember we got out and, and you you said to me, you go, how are we going to handle this one? And I went, I don't know. I said, we're going to have to paddle to Tamarama at least halfway through there and then come back with the, with the swell. And... And you go, how are we going to do that? And I go, I don't know. So, <laughs> so I remember we, remember we, we, we wrapped our tubes um, around him, the, the right. rescue tubes around him, both of them. Yeah. And then you said, right in you get, you swim first. And <laughs> I remember <laughs> I was swimming with the tube and you were paddling him. And then I, I go, right ask face, you're up. <laughs> and we, swapped, we did that like the whole way across, probably yeah. three, 400 meters, we did that for. And then um, mate, we were oh. like we were spent and he goes, Okay, yeah. now how are we gonna get in? <laughs> I said <What? laughs> I said, What are you asking me? He goes, mate, I'm asking, how are we gonna get in? <laughs> I said, What about we just toss the board and you and I just hang on to him and just get pumped and just take it on? And uh, if you remember, we just went, oh, this is going to be not good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because it was, it was big and the, we, we realised that oh, It
2: would have been, would he, been eight he, foot, wasn't it? It was eight yeah. foot.
0: Like, it was big. And he, um, he was sinking the rescue board. He was that heavy. And we knew if we got caught with the board and him on the board, we would have lost him for sure.
2: Well, put it this way, if you and I would have definitely not had hold of him, he was gone. Like, we couldn't let him go. And it was, I think it was your call, you said, let's just wrap these tubes around him and and, uh, and then I said, look, we're just going to have to take it on. And you go, oh, God, okay, let's do it. We pushed the board in and then, um, if you remember, we just grabbed him and just got pumped. <laughs> we were doing cartwheel after cartwheel. <laughs> and we ended up, we were, we were probably halfway in Tamarama, if you remember, Yep. And we ended up at Bronte Bogey Hole. That's how far we went, probably about 500 yep. metres.
0: Yeah, because there's one point I thought, and, and we weren't moving real quick because we had his weight and trying to pull him in. I remember we're heading towards that rip. If we had got caught in that rip again, oh, we would have been, yeah. been out where we started from. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, mate, I just and, – and not to mention the pouring rain, not yep. one person around, 5 <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Like. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, mate, I was <laughs> – Bet I don't know about you. You're fitter than me, but I'll was, I'll was, <laughs> man. I know. I just went. We got him in, and he. You know what? He never lost his goggles the whole yeah.
0: time.
2: <laughs> I remember you yelled at him, "Take your goggles off!" He never. Take, he never took them off. I said, "Take those <laughs> fucking things off." And I kept trying to grab him and he wouldn't take him off. And then, uh, if you remember, we were sitting on the shore and I remember I had cuts all over me from the um, from the rescue tube and you had the same. And we were just sitting on the water's edge. He just got up and just walked off. And you and I just sat there in the pouring rain going, what the fuck just happened? I know. I
0: reckon there's us two and one other guy. Us two and him and the only two left on the beach, I reckon.
2: And our mate. I just remember walking up and going, what the hell does fucking happen? And you go, oh, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to lifeguarding. <laughs> and I went, that, that'll do me. To this oh. day, that was the hardest rescue I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. It would have and, taken and- 45 minutes to 50 minutes, probably even an hour. And we were going, mate, like, and you were in your prime, fit as hell. And, uh, and I was just going, mate. I think this guy. If we lose, if we, if we dropped him off, he was he was gone, yeah. mate. Like,
0: yeah, he he wouldn't have made it. And no, I don't even nah. know how he got. He must have jumped off the rocks at the cemetery you or know somewhere. What? Look.
2: Yeah, well, and you know what, no one saw us, no one no, gave a no. shit, no one get hit. No. except you and I, and I just go, what happened? What yeah. just
0: happened? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's crazy, you know, because it was back in the early 90s, and, and now there would have been a million people along the oh, coastline no. taking yeah. photos, videos, and it probably would have ended up going viral at that, that uh, rescue. Oh,
2: mate, 100%. And he never took off his goggles. <laughs> no, <Nah>, never. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's one thing I'll never forget is you yelling oh. at him, take your goggles off <laughs> oh mate I was
2: abusing him and everything like, I, like but we did good like yeah. you and I we, we worked good well, well I've grown up with you since you're yeah. five and like yeah. we, we know the beach better than anyone but it didn't matter like we no. it was, it was to this day the hardest rescue I've ever done
0: yeah, yeah. and definitely my hardest as well it was a, a great great effort from both of us and, and I wonder he's doing now mate he's probably uh, out there probably doesn't well, realise how bad he was
2: I think he went over and had, like, a hamburger or a steak or something, a sausage on a sandwich, (laughs) and he did talk, yeah, no worries. (laughs) You you and I were busted. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: Box Mate, great to have you in the Beach Shack and uh, tell us the stories, and we'll get you in again very soon. Now it's time to have a listen to the fans in the mailbag. Okay, this week's letter from the mailbag is from Jessica and she's from Queensland. What are you going to do over the Christmas period and on Christmas Day? Well, most years I work Christmas and this year is no different. I'll be working Christmas Day, so that'll be a uh, uh, Christmas with the uh, lifeguards as per usual and from there we'll uh, have a family catch up probably either the days before christmas or we'll fit that in between new year so uh that's what i'll be up to over christmas and uh celebrating with the family but also working on the beach thanks everyone for listening remember to subscribe to life's a beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments or follow us on our social media channels which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, Beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.